So, so I'm going to go through this hopefully quickly, you know, if I can wrangle my mouth into cooperating with the plan. And then, you know, I want to have a, a little bit of feedback from you guys, and then we'll just hang out. So let's pray real quick. Father, thank you for time together, this place, these brothers, and your word. Please uh, do your work among us this morning through our time here this morning, our fellowship and, and uh, the church service proper. Bless everyone who's coming today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So commandment number five. Does anybody know offhand, what it, except for Micah? I know Micah knows. What is commandment number five of the Ten Commandments? Does anybody know? Bingo. Of course the pastor is going to say, yeah, I know what that is. <laughs> Honor your father and your mother. It comes from Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. Honor your father and your mother so that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Honor your father and your mother. And I've titled this Seven Epic Observations. Uh, seven felt like the appropriate number to be complete. Although... I, I, I hope that as I'm talking, you guys will have some thoughts as well and be like, oh, yeah, that commandment, the words in that commandment are good for this or good for that. And then at the end, you know, if you feel like sharing what pops into your head or giving feedback in, about what I say, I'd love for that to happen. I think that blesses the whole group. So I, I have seven things to say about it, but it really comes down to this. There are three. You could do it in three how does it benefit you? How does the commandment itself benefit you? How does it benefit your environment, the people around you? And how does it benefit, like, civilization, period? You know, because I think these commandments, they, they have those uh, spheres of impact. And so as we dig into them, we discover how to do that, how, how we benefit from them, how the people around us benefit from them, and then how civilization as a whole <laughs> benefits from them. So that's a big, it's a big picture. It's a big thing that God's asking of us, in my opinion. So the first thing I want to cover here real quick is what honor means uh, when it says honor your father and your mother. What is honor? Um, this isn't like a complete definition, but I think it's something good to work with when it comes to applying this commandment. Honor. I think... I think you, you can use it like this. Let their words, the words and opinions of your mo mother and father, your father and mother, let their words and opinions have some weight in your consideration. Don't immediately discard their opinions. Treat them like they matter, even if you don't understand them, even if you don't agree with them. So they have weight. Don't discard them in your calculation. Give them weight so that they have some Consideration. You don't just throw them away. All right, seven epic observations. The first one is um, the relationship itself between you and your parents is maybe one of the most difficult to manage in your life. I mean, it's fraught with all kinds of opportunities for grudges, misunderstandings, bitterness, anger, hatred, blame. Because your parents have known you from day one, generally speaking. Of course, there are exceptions. But the, the relationship is intended so that you, you have a relationship with them or them with you from day one. Through all of your dirty diapers and your spit-ups 
and your sleepless nights, through your toddlering around, through your generating a friend group, all the learning, all the failing, all the ignorance, you know? So what a fraught relationship. And I think, can you guys agree with this? Can you guys see that with your parents, there's just lots of opportunity for difficulty? So given that, I feel like it's like an, an amazing focus that God is putting on that relationship to train you because you have to forgive, you have to be forgiven, you have to overlook and overcome, you have to set uh, aspects of this relationship as more important than lots of other things. And so everything that you learn through attempting to manage your relationship with your parents in a godly way, everything you learn from that can be applied in every other relationship, every other setting. So I think it's pretty brilliant that God is putting this in front of us through the commandment, honor your father and your mother. Um, The second observation is, okay, if I'm supposed to honor my father and my mother, there's some training for me. And that training comes down to two, two things. One is developing that process and all the stuff that supports that so that you can look for the things to honor. And would you look for things to honor in your parents if someone didn't come tell you you should do that? (laughs) Probably not. You might might be impressed with some things your mom and dad do. You might really like some of the things that they do. Some of those things will get your attention sometimes. But unless you're looking for those things, you're not going to see most of it. And uh, I really love how we've had testimonies like from Vic and Mark. And on Father's Day, there was just a lot of this happening where it's like, I've been looking for and I found some stuff that's really honorable in my dad or in my mom. And so what a blessing to hear that. What a blessing to have that demonstrated. This is how you do it. This is sometimes the kinds of things you have to overcome in order to satisfy that really needful behavior. So so the first thing is learning to look for the things that are honorable. The commandment prompts us to do that. The second thing is, what is honorable? How do we even know when we see something that is honorable? Is it because it makes me feel good? Is it because I get something good out of it? Is it because I get my way? Is it because agreement feels good when you accomplish it? We really need God's instruction. We really need to dig into what God thinks is honorable. And so the commandment is prompting us to do that. Start looking for it and become acquainted with what is honorable so that when you see it, you can actually honor it. So that's the second observation. Again, that kind of behavior is is really important for us to turn on our discernment for righteousness. What is good? What is evil? What is honorable? What honors God? Okay, the third observation that I'd like to share is that that fraught relationship with your parents. God's not asking of us that we pretend that it isn't fraught, that we pretend that there hasn't been difficulty, misunderstanding. Who knows what else, you know? With 20 years under your parents' care, generally speaking, maybe 30 years, (laughs) 
and all that opportunity for words to be said that shouldn't have been said, words to be withheld that should have been said, misunderstandings and just anger, all that stuff. The commandment is not asking us. God's not saying, pretend none of that happened. God does not wish to excuse hurt that you have endured or experienced under your parents' care. So, what is it asking? I think it's asking that we, in part, take a walk in their shoes, consider their perspective, and maybe try to get in their mind to understand their experience as a parent or, or, or their own experience as a child. And the thing that I think might happen, and this is exciting to me, is that let's say, here's an example. I, I, I talk with a friend of mine a lot about conspiracies and like what, what, what's, what's wrong, where have things gone wrong? And of course we know things went wrong from, day, from, from the day that Adam and Eve fell in the garden. But when we talk about how do things function in society, what, what's going wrong? And he uh, helped me understand we had a whole generation of men and women during both, both world wars and then every war after that that the United States has been involved in where people had been pulled out of normal life and had to experience real brutality, real traumatizing uh, violence and fear and anxiety in ways that changed their ability to experience life, you know, as, as, uh, as mothers and fathers, and changed their ability to actually transmit to their children being mothers and fathers, being productive people, being members of, of a family or of a community. So in, in light of, like, World War II in particular, it makes sense like some of what my grandparents' choices were. Their choices affected my parents. And so if I get into the minds of my parents and understand like where the situation they were raised in, the things that were important, the things that they were afraid of, the things they were cautioned against, it kind of starts to illuminate some things that they did or didn't do. And here's the cool thing about that is Lots of what has informed our parents, our grandparents, our cultural, societal, you know, art, entertainment, media, uh, the, the things that the culture thought were important. And when you start to understand what those things are, where they come from, it kind of illuminates the powers and principalities that we wrestle against. So our... our our work as Christians, as people attempting to be salt and light, attempting to demonstrate and transmit the gospel, we can understand what we're up against a little bit better when we get into their minds and understand like, what, what are the powers and principalities that are driving cultural movements. We can see that all around right now. Like if you, if you went to interview somebody in uh, San Francisco who's in the 10th grade or the, the 6th or 7th grade, uh, a kid, and you ask them, hey, what's right and wrong? 
what are they going to tell you? Are they going to tell you anything that sounds like what the Bible says is right and wrong? Probably not. Are they going to tell you what sounded like right and wrong in you know, American society in general from 20 years ago, 30, 40? No. It's going to be right and wrong based on what the cultural, educational, and art influences are telling them. So, and it, so, so they're not coming up with that. It's other powers and principalities that are working through culture, that are working through all kinds of other institutions, and we need to understand that. And I think the commandment is helping us, is prompting us to develop sort of that view. What are the powers and principalities that we're wrestling against? And that are, uh, um, what's the word? Against God. They're, in, they're enemies of God. They're after things that are different from what God wants. Not things that are just as good, just different. They're things that are destructive. The devil comes to, does anybody remember? There are three things the Bible says. Steal, kill, and destroy. The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And so when you compare like the things that God thinks are important, that he wants to promote, and those that God's enemies want to promote, it's going to be in that basket. Steal, stealing, taking, killing, and destroying. So when we, when we enough said about that. That's observation number three. Observation number four. The commandment provokes us to consider the times and circumstances of our parents' lives and their parents' lives. I just talked about that one. And there's another aspect of this, though, where as we develop those skills, those practices of considering, of trying to understand in our, in our parents and their parents, we can apply those skills and behaviors to other relationships. And they're valuable because through them, with them, we can establish trust with other people um, so that the gospel can be shared and demonstrated. And I think it's an echo. I think it, it's a calling similar to what John the Baptist said uh, when he said, uh, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. I think developing trust, using these uh, practices, these skills that we develop while trying to consider our, our parents' situation, they apply to building trust and delivering the gospel and demonstrating the gospel to other people who are not our parents. So isn't God brilliant? To me, it's like when, when you dig into this commandment, and I think all the other commandments, you discover that God is putting things in front of us, if we practice, that are going to have huge ripples out into lots of other areas of our lives. That's, that's brilliant. Number five, practicing the commandment equips us to honor not just our parents, but also others. The honoring starts with our parents. That's our prompt. But it ripples outward, encouraging others towards righteousness and godliness. And what I mean by encouraging others is that, like if, if, if you've ever had to entertain a child for some period of time, you know, your child or niece or nephew or kindergarten class, after school class, whatever, you can't just say, don't do that, don't do that, stop that, stop that, don't do that. You can't manage that. You have to 
put something in front of them for them to do. You know, that's a lot of those crafts, you know, from kindergarten days. It's like, yeah, we're going to make pilgrims out of toilet paper rolls for Thanksgiving. It's not because they love Thanksgiving pilgrims from toilet paper rolls. It's like, we've got to give these kids something to do. And I think that you and I have uh, the ability to do this as well, where we, when, when, when I honor my father, something honorable in my father and mother or something honorable in these gentlemen here or any of these guys over here or my son, either of my sons or my daughters or my wife, when I highlight something that's honorable, it's actually something for other people to see and say, ah, well, maybe I can work towards that. Not, not towards the honoring necessarily, but towards the behavior or the character trait or the thing that's important. So when we, when we, put, when we practice honoring, we're honoring God and putting something godly in front of other people to consider. You know, we're, we're like, it's almost like, it's almost like a, a bomb of something going into someone's head that's going to disrupt the other stuff that maybe is naturally just, you know, not that great. So I think that's pretty cool. All right, number six, the commandment enables us to participate in this process on behalf of other people who need this work. God considers this important. I mean, this is a commandment. This is one of the ten. So this is important to God, really important to God. He considers this important, so we should support others in this process. So, you know, when your coworker, your buddy, your neighbor, you know, likes to come and tell you about their problems or complain about this or that thing, there's something we can do, you know. We can, we can participate, you know, and, and, and go further down. Or we can, you know, strive to highlight what's honorable and maybe help other people work through their issues, maybe help other people get a, an alternative perspective other than the complaining, vengeful, hateful, unhappy one, unproductive one. So, you know, I, I, and I think, you know, again, hearing from Mark and Vic and Dick too, lots of times, and the, the Father's Day, you know, sort of bonanza that we had during the sharing time, hearing that helps other people work through their situations if they want to. So I think that's really important. All right, the seventh observation what occurs naturally in people and what our culture promotes are the opposite of this. <laughs> to me, this is almost like evidence of God. It's like, okay, what does God say? And then what does everybody else say? <laughs> it's like, well, all of that is terrible. So this must be something different than that. And it's not natural. You know, it takes, it takes some amount of work to do this. So... What are the kinds of things that our culture promotes? And, you know, when I say our culture, I think the primary cultural influences that we are targeted by are art and media. You know, your movies, your TV shows, your politicians. And I would put news media in with that, too, because news is political. News is giving you a political perspective. And, um, you know, just whatever happens at the water cooler, which probably comes from those other two sources. We are a cultural influence as well, 
but we don't have the microphone the same way as those others do. Education, bingo, yep, which probably falls in line with the political, the whole political thing. So, but yeah, thank you for that. The education's huge, huge political, I'm sorry, huge uh, cultural influence. And what are they telling us, you know? What are they telling us? They're really telling us, if you listen, they'll say, you kind of need to judge your father and your mother. They failed, you know? Why are things so bad? Because they failed. <laughs> Condemn them. Consider them guilty of unpardonable sins. It's like there's, there's, no, there's no coming back unless you do this or that thing, which is impossible. You know, ancestors, previous generations. Is that landing? Do you see that? Do you see that in politics? Do you see that in education? Do you see that in art and media where you're encouraged to treat the people who came before you as though they were just terrible? And now we got to fix everything that they messed up. Yes. So, and uh, one other thing that we're encouraged to do that is the opposite of what God is prompting us to do is to ridicule and discard their protect, protective counsel and guidance. You know, where they said, don't do this, they just wanted to squash your freedom. They, that's all they wanted to do. They just wanted to control you and replicate themselves. They just wanted to not deal with problems. One of the things, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a risk here. It's funny to me. I hope it's funny to you. <laughs> Is that in the academic space that's doing like social sciences and sort of uh, retrospective on injustices of the past, one of the things that is a conclusion that doesn't get challenged properly, I think, is that, you know, society up to now has been like an oppressive patriarchy. Are you familiar with those words? Oppressive patriarchy? Not everybody interacts with this stuff the way I do, so I'm not sure what everybody is aware of. But oppressive patriarchy, meaning the men have been in charge and their whole goal has been to oppress everybody else. But, and, and, and therefore, like the therefore is, we need to move this way with our legislative approach, and we need to judge them <laughs> for having allowed that to happen. But the thing is, you don't think any grannies in the past were like, I want my daughter to marry a good person, a good man, and get a good established life, you know, because I want grandbabies and great-grandbabies. Like the grannies participated in that. It wasn't all patriarchal. So patriarchal just means the men were in charge. But even against that, when God says, honor your father and your mother, God is giving honor to mothers. God wants mothers to be honored. You know, it's not like honor your father and everybody else listen to him and that's it. No. So anyway, these things that are promoted by our cultural influences are the opposite of what, is, <laughs> what, what God promotes. And where do you think those influences might be getting their influence? From God? Nah, they're from the enemy of God who wants to steal, kill, and destroy. So the therefore of, of this observation is that if we consider that context, what's, what's coming out of the world is the opposite of what God is asking, then we can consider what God is prompting us to do as like warfare. These are marching orders. 
And if we want to have a godly impact on the people around us, on the world around us, and maybe even the, the whole world, then we do this. This is one of the things that we do. Take on the practice of honoring our father and mother. Not, not only so that we can benefit from it, but so that they can benefit from it to some degree. And so that the world around us can benefit from it. And so that civilization in general can benefit from it. Because how long do we last when we follow the cultural influences that are occurring naturally that are against what God is saying? How long do we last? I don't know. But I think that um, there's a big risk <clears throat> that we don't last long when we're at the throats of the people who came before us and inviting them to be at our throats as well and we just don't have any sort of relationship that, that we can depend on or participate in for the entirety of our lives. So those are the seven observations that I wanted to present. And I, I'm curious, did, did any of those land and like, ah, yeah, that's right? Or were there some that came up in your mind while I was talking that would be good to share together? Anybody? Mm, yep. 
Thank you, Jeff. It's a heavy burden. Yeah. A lot of head buttons and a lot of friction. You know, I know many of you guys are going through that same kind of thing with aging parents and stuff. And you younger guys will go through it as you get older. But, you know, trying to make that, I really appreciate, you know, this perspective on it. Because I see it, you know, now with my adult daughters, I don't mind them being wrong. I really wish they would be, you know, come around and be see my side of it because I am always right. <laughs> uh, that transition has is, is, been a great, uh, you know, I've been with my relationship with my dad uh, in the past. So, but, you know, just looking at it from this perspective, uh, finding those positive things, uh, I really appreciate that. Thanks, Dick. Of course he would. Of course he would. that makes me understand, okay, he didn't have an example 
right? Yeah, yeah, it really is a call to be charitable and consider. And uh, it's, it's risky because I know, I don't know everybody's situation, but I know situations, some situations are such that there's, there's real hurt, there's real violation between parent and you. But, and, and you don't want to throw that away and treat it like it doesn't matter. At the same time, this other charitable process can exist. You know, you can enter that mindset even for just a moment and then go back to the other one, you know, if that's, if that's where you are. One thing, one thing that I, I had in my notes at one point, version one, and I took it out so I didn't say it, is that the commandment doesn't expire. It's like even, even when your dad passes or your mom passes, that's still a process to engage with. You know, it's, it's not written for children. It's like, okay, children, honor your father and mother, do what they say, and then when you become an adult, you leave their house. You don't have to do that anymore. I think almost like the commandment almost starts <laughs> when you're an adult. And then you've got this 50, 60, 70, 80 year process that you engage with that is life building. And then you get to decide, you get to decide when yeah, they don't. Right. Of that 
everywhere around us. Um, but even just thinking about the effects of that in my own heart, I, I, I can be torn apart internally. Um, if I look at something like this and say, if they deserve it, <clears throat> if they deserve it, I, I, I can mull over the moments that they don't um, <clears throat> internally in my mind and my heart and, and become torn apart over that. And so I think it's, it's a recognition that this is not conditional. Does it mean that they deserve it? No. We, we, we may have fathers in here or, or you know, your fathers that, that were, as you were <clears throat> stating, you know, uh, um, uh, in great violation of what was true and right and good, but you can still give honor to, it's like you know, a, a politician or a political office. We, we give honor because we respect the office. It doesn't mean that there's always a great person in that seat. There may be a wicked person in that seat, but we still give honor to the office, and that is partly what, what he's getting at here is you have a father and a mother that deserve honor. Um, whether they... Uh, you know, behaviorally deserve it all the time or not, and that you know, that that is a that is a, uh, a powerful um, it, it, it can be a, a powerful life giving recognition in our lives when we are not basing that on their behavior, but we are basing it on what God has given us to do, regardless of their behavior. Mm-hmm. Good point. Good work. I want to call a close to this, but I want to honor Brent because that was a great teaching. I want to.